Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. Now I'm in the chair and I can only assume that this is as strange for you as it is for me. If I have another life, I would never do things like this. The big news in summer entertaining is to do it all at the beach. Yes, we can. I am happy that you have had the courage to put it directly. Hi, I'm Andy Lemasuru. And I'm Beth Ann Galvin. Welcome to episode four of the Presentation Fix podcast. Uh, now on this show, Beth Ann and I team up to empower you with the knowledge and skills to make an impact every time you speak or present in public. We have less than a month left in pitch season, don't we, Beth? Uh, how do you feel about that? Yep. Well, certainly in my business, the pressure's on with a typical corporate business year ends um, being completed by the end of March and budgets being in place. This is our time to secure our place and that competitive edge. Yes, indeed. So with only a few weeks to go before the Easter break, we thought we might explore the science of the perfect pitch. That's a very good delivery there from Courtney Walsh. It's been a magnificent bowling performance from him this afternoon. Joining us from Cape Town via Google Hangouts is a special guest who knows a little more than a thing or two about pitching for business. That's right. Joining us is the founder of the Ogilvy Digital Marketing Academy and a man who sits on several boards, including that of the Mail and Guardian and Endeavors Venture Corps, Dave Duarte. How's it, Dave? And thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thanks very much, Beth and Angela. So just diving right in, Dave, um, we're really curious to know what your thoughts are on this topic. So maybe just uh, the first throw-out question is, how many projects are you typically involved in these days that require you to pitch for clients? So to both of you, I'm really a great topic. A uh, very interesting choice of guest because I don't do pictures. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm serious. So how do you how do you typically uh, navigate the world of uh, landing business and uh, getting clients to go with ideas? So it, uh, I suppose it's just it, it comes down to a, like kind of a fundamental philosophy and the way that that I prefer to do business. Um, you know, someone once told me that marketers are either farmers or they're hunters, and uh, I prefer I prefer to be a farmer rather than a hunter when it comes to business. So when it comes to uh, the pitch mentality, I feel like it's more of a hunting mentality. You prepare everything, ready for the big moment, and you gather all your resources, and then it's hit or miss. It's all or nothing. And the way that I tend to do business is that I nurture relationships long term and I, I keep very close track of those relationships. I try and meet people on a regular basis. And as a result, I've got a, a consistent source of leads and everything happens quite conversationally. And that's whether it's big business or small business and whether it's things that other companies have to pitch for or not, it tends to be that I've got the, that the business that I get comes from longstanding relationships that are nurtured over time. And people have a very good idea of what I do, the people that I do business with uh, in the long term. So I don't have to go and prove myself in an all or nothing high stakes pitch event. I would agree with you that I think there's a big change that's happened in the marketplace whereby relationships really do set the competitors apart from the rest. And I would imagine with your marketing and social media background, do you make use of those techniques and tactics in terms of how to form or first initiate and then solidify these relationships? 
Yeah, you know, it's. I think pitches are all about making a great first impression. So I, I think I'm also being a little bit uh, uh, blasé around saying I don't do pitches because in essence, every time you make a first contact, it's a form of pitch. Like, how do you present yourself? And that, for me, applies as much online as in the physical context. So uh, when we translate that idea of the first contact to the digital environment, your pitch is how you present yourself online. So, uh, you know, how do you know, are you presentable online? Uh, is what you offer clear to new people? Um, if they're going to go and uh, do some background checking, uh, you know, is your website presentable? Is that clear and easily understandable what services you offer, your competitive advantage? Can they easily go and check references? And if they can't, then it's not the end of the world, but obviously then you're going to have to expect those questions and deal with them on an ongoing basis as part of your workflow. So by and large, I've tried to put all of the information that people typically ask in the sales process online. So, you know, what are the references? What's portfolio of evidence? All of that kind of stuff is there. Go and check it. Here's previous clients that I've dealt with. So in essence, I am pitching, but I think that kind of a new way of working is just transparency. Saying, go and check it out for yourself. Um, you know, you don't have to be won over by my charisma or my ability to do a sales pitch. Rather, let the results and the relationship speak for themselves. Perhaps you've been roped into pitches uh, led by your clients or, or other people you've been involved with. You must have seen pitches that have gone really well and pitches that have gone really wrong. What are some of the things that people are doing wrong? I have. I've been in a lot of pitch situations. And uh, once again, even to make the point, even though I have been dismissive, there's definitely a place for it. Uh, for example, uh, you know, there's, there's a whole startup industry theater that's happening where businesses have to pitch their ideas to potential investors. And, you know, from what I've seen, the most important thing from a pitch is preparation. It's people have really done their homework. You know, you can really see if a pitch has been put together at the last minute and it's under-resourced uh, and people have pulled an all-nighter and they don't have all the answers ready. So for me, the, the best prepared pitches consider two things. There's the depth and relevance of information to the audience that you're presenting to, so taking into account their needs. What are they interested in hearing? Not trying to pull the wool over their eyes by talking about the few things that you're good at and ignoring their interests. So that's something that I've seen and you fool no one uh, when you do that. And then secondly is considering the narrative because I've been in pitch situations where the business idea or the proposition is okay, but the pitch is absolutely phenomenal. They bring in theater and storytelling and good use of props and that wakes people up and it's incredibly compelling considering that close contact, fast decision-making scenario. Yeah, you, you make a good point there in terms of preparation being so critical, but what I've observed sometimes in pitch situations is that some players have done the preparation really well, but when they stand up to articulate the message, they're really challenged in how to communicate that message. So it's interesting that you mention that you've observed people using creative methods such as theater, etc., because sometimes you mention that or you propose that to bankers or engineers and they think it's completely off the wall and yet I think in this competitive market having the ability to differentiate oneself is probably a competitive edge. So Dave, um, what other common mistakes have you seen or you know heard of companies making in terms of trying to pitch for new business? One of the things is for example that people mistake being boring with being reliable and trustworthy. 
And for me, that's a turnoff. I mean, you're completely neglecting the opportunity. So, for example, if you're just standing up there and just delivering a dry statement of what someone could otherwise read, then you're wasting your time. You should have just mailed people with that. Uh, On the other hand, when we talk about theater, it's not to say, you know, the theater of the presentation, it's not to say that you're going and like donning drag uh, necessarily uh, for people. Good theater could be, for example, wearing the perfect suit for the scenario and considering the symbolism of everything that you do and making good use of pause and timing. You know, sometimes... uh, audiences get absolutely railroaded by um, by a presenter that's trying to cover too much in too short a period of time. So I think also with that, a lot of that, you know, you know, people, you know, like, like Beth and Andile and Dave, you know, who've seen a lot of presentations, who do a lot of presentations, who are professionals, you know, and the thing is that we don't, um, we don't kind of go to the doctor and tell them how to do their job. We don't try and uh, and heal ourselves without professional advice. And likewise with presentations, uh, if you're offering a, a banker or a professional or an ad agency person advice on how to do presentations and then they say, no, that's not right for me, they are missing out on a massive opportunity for increased impact. And I think that this is something that's really important to understand. Given the varied scope of the projects you're involved in and, you know, the clients you service in the world of creative and advertising as well as in the traditional corporate world, I'm curious to know if there are differences in how to prepare and execute pitches. Are there any hard and fast rules for these different worlds that you engage with? Or is there like this big basket of things that we can all pick from and use to suit ourselves? Yeah, and it's basically, from what I've seen, every meeting definitely has its own culture, you know, so so no two board meetings are alike. you know, some boards are more formal than others. Some require a certain level of protocol. And even, you know, up, up to, you know, global scale, I've attended meetings at the World Economic Forum. And uh, there is a certain protocol that's expected. And if you go and you um, don't pay a certain level of respect to that protocol, then your message is going to be dismissed out of hand. People are going to see that you're disrespectful. That said, in every single one of those contexts, I believe there's an important role to play in challenging the status quo and differentiating yourself and your message if you are offering something that's distinctive. Uh, You know, once again, this comes down to symbolism and communication. You know, Marshall McLuhan famously said the medium is the message and he said it's not just the words that we say it's also how we say them and the methods that we use uh, to deliver that message you know so for example it could be absolutely appropriate to go to uh, you know context where everyone typically wears suits and come in jeans and sandals you know uh, as as Mark Zuckerberg did in the early days Uh, you know there is a place for suits and ties but if you're trying to do something perhaps consider the symbolism of what you're wearing the props that you use how you choose to present your information. If everyone is doing dry PowerPoint slides, perhaps challenging the status quo to an appropriate but still respectful level shows that you are thinking differently and acting differently. But I think that respect uh, is, does and needs to be at the core of what that is. So Dave, um, just a last question from me, and that is, I know that you take your career as a speaker very seriously, and um, I've heard that you often describe your speaking as your creative practice. What does that mean? 
basically, I, you know, I've got two businesses and I'm involved in a number of other ventures at a board level and investor level. And the, the public speaking is something that I've been practicing for uh, about 10 years now. And it's been something that I always wanted to do. And I, when I started out, I wasn't very good at it. Uh, but I enjoy the direct contact with people. Uh, I enjoy uh, the opportunity to go and attend all the great conferences that I speak at for free, you know, because once, you, once you're a speaker, you get to go and learn along with the delegates as well if you want to. And it's taken me around the world. You know, I've given talks in over 20 countries and I've met some extraordinary people along the process and learned so much. And so for me, I, I've always believed in the power of creative side projects as a way to reinvigorate and to feed the main work that you do. And so public speaking is just that for me. It's, uh, it's something that keeps me on my toes creatively. Uh, I'm actively involved in designing my own slides. It's something that I'm always learning more about, you know, how to, uh, you know, develop my own style as a presenter, how to speak to different groups of people. And I think that the more I do it, the more I realize that uh, for me, there's, you've got to find your own voice in it. So I realize I've learned things about my style that are really particular to me. And that's given me a lot of confidence. Perfect segue into my last question for you, which is uh, a question we ask all our guests. You know, we ask them to give us their top three tips for presenting or speaking, you know, things that might be odd or quirky, perhaps unique to you, but things that you consider invaluable to delivering great talks, presentations, and and when you do ever <laughs> pitches as well. So what would those three things for you be? All right. So number one is know the subject that you're speaking about. You've got to come from a place of authenticity. It makes such a difference when you come from a space of knowing what you speak about. So um, at the very least, do your homework and read up in depth about the subject that you do. But, but I suppose more, uh, more sustainably, um, limit the talks that you do to your area of subject matter expertise. Number two is tell stories. Uh, stories frame information and they present it in a way that's compelling and easy to remember and to relate to. So storytelling for me is the fundamental uh, uh, aspect of any good presentation. And in the corporate context, that might be expressed as a case study, as an example. That's a form of story. And there's many other narrative techniques that we can use. Curiosity gaps, similes and metaphors, uh, you know, the, the hero's journey and so on. And we can use as uh, frameworks and templates. Um, third, I would say is be yourself. So don't try and copy someone else's speaking style that you've seen or mimicked and identify that as the best way to present. For me, I, I was stuck in what I thought was the best mode of presentation for years and years and years, thinking that's the ideal. Which was what, Dave? What, what, what style was that? You know, it was kind of, uh, I started out with Toastmasters and it was perfect form. Hands need to be in a particular place. Um, tone of voice needs to be a particular way. Uh, you know, mode of delivery for me, it was, it, it was quite a stiff, quite like kind of American influence, motivational speaker style. And it just, it didn't feel right to me. I'm, I'm much more casual. I'm much more interactive. Uh, and the way that I speak isn't necessarily fluid. I've got lots of ums because I'm thinking as I'm speaking. And that's fine. And, you know, the more I've embraced that, uh, the more positive response I've got from audiences and the more repeat bookings and that kind of thing for my talk. So that's being yourself. And I guess the last one is practice, 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 because uh, the more you practice, the easier things become. I imagine there's someone listening to this podcast right now 
nervous as anything because there are only a few weeks left before Easter hits and lined up are, you know, several meetings he or she has to, to attend, to pitch, um, to reach targets in terms of landing business, closing deals and that kind of thing. Uh, and perhaps they haven't been farming as much as they should have uh, the, over the last year. What are the things you would suggest that they concentrate on in order to make the most of the of the engagements they have left before pitch season is officially over? Preparation is absolutely key. So, I mean, what I would do is I would get organized around my information. So, uh, for me, that would mean uh, creating a little folder on my computer and collecting all the information about that talk that's available to me. So, articles, um, as much detailed information about who's there, have phone calls with delegates if possible, uh, you know, think about and reflect about your own journey around the information and kind of what you feel is most important, and then moving more towards the actual creation of the content, I would create a priority list of the presentation. So what's the number one thing that I need to get out of this pitch for me? What's the number one thing that my audience needs to get out of this pitch for them? Um, what are the three, what are the three um, outcomes that I want people to know? What must they know as a result of this? And then theme, what's the theme that I'm going to use to make this interesting as a creative theme? And uh, and then besides that, I would say, uh, you know, don't be nervous. You know, if you if you focus on the information and the authentic delivery and feel confident first and foremost about the content that you're delivering, so you've done the background reading, you feel knowledgeable about it, um, then I would say the most important thing is feeling um, safe and confident in yourself. Everything else for me is secondary. The the particular design of the PowerPoint presentation presentation, um, how long it particularly needs to be. All of that is secondary to managing um, the fact that you know your information, the fact that you're balancing the audience's needs and your own. And then lastly, just speaking with your own voice, because we don't, we don't get nervous when we have to speak about our business to a colleague or in a normal meeting or with a, a group of friends. Uh, so we shouldn't feel nervous when we're speaking about it to a group of people who are interested in our subject information, even though they do happen to be in a big room. What I'm hearing you say is there is hope. Uh, perhaps you haven't been farming all year, <laughs> but there's still a chance for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's desperate. You don't want to be in that situation, but there's hope, of course. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, Dave, thank you. It's been such a pleasure having you join Andila and myself on this episode of the Presentation Fix. And before you go, please tell everyone how they can um, get in contact with you, be it via Twitter, Facebook, what, whatever your medium is of choice. Great. I think the best way is just Google me, Dave Duarte. And uh, if you're looking for a talk, my my website and blog is daveduarte.co.za. Uh, if you're looking for uh, a small and medium business acceleration classes, courses, and coaching, the business is TreeShake. And if you're looking for corporate digital marketing uh, insight and information, it's Ogilvy Digital Marketing Academy. Oh, snap, bro. That was like such a mic drop moment right there. Like, just Google me. <laughs> Wishing you a good day, Dave. Have a great one, guy. See you too. Bye. That was fun. Now, Beth, before you and I sign off, please leave us with a practical tip that we can all apply to close a few more deals in the weeks remaining in this pitch season. So, uh, who knows? Maybe that million-dollar deal might still yet land, you know? Yeah, well... 
my key take home t- today is to be the standard by which all others are compared. It is a very competitive market out there. And when we go into pitch, we want to make sure that we set such a high standard that everybody is written off the radar screen. And what that would require is to pitch your message from the client's perspective. Too often what we do is we talk about ourselves, blah, 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 a walking, talking brochure, which really doesn't tell the prospect what's in it for them. So ultimately what we want to be doing is doing enough research and, you know, what I would take a bit further than what Dave's proposed is to not only research online, but if at all possible to get face to face with the prospect or somebody in their business prior to the pitch so that we can really get behind what the pain is that they're experiencing in line of the service that we're offering and what their ideal outcomes are and then to position and articulate our message accordingly. There you have it, your presentation fix, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there is still plenty of hope. Do not despair. A few weeks left in pitch season. And mind you, there is plenty of opportunity for you to get this right in the weeks and months and years to come. So do not despair if, you, if you've if you listened to, to, to this podcast and found yourself wanting. This is the very point. None of us are perfect and uh, all are work in progress. All the best to you for pitch season. Uh, we look forward to uh, sharing uh, on the topic of PowerPoint presentations in our next episodes. So do tune in for that. In the meantime, though, do let us know what you think of the show. Or if there's a topic or issue you'd specifically like us to discuss on the show, um, give us a shout. I'm Beth Gelv on Twitter. And I'm Masugo Andili on Twitter. You can also get our attention by using the hashtag presentation fixer or just email us at info at bethangalvin.com. Otherwise, thank you for listening. And until next time, it's goodbye from me, Andile Masugu. And from me, Beth Ann Golvin. Take care. Ciao.